Welcome to Hot Mess Express, where we spend 20 minutes talking entertainment news, current events, life in New York City, and other pops of culture along the way. I'm your host, Ali. And I'm Tree. And this week, the five stops in the Hot Mess Express are... Counterfeit Stuff in Chinatown. Making a Murderer. Oscar nominations. Visual-based dating apps. And looking hot in the New York City winter. So stay tuned, listeners. We've got you covered. It's time for Hot Mess Express. Your boy here needed a new wallet. Um, I decided to have Tree accompany me to Canal Street. which uh, Of course, because I'm Asian. Because he's Asian. Which, for those of you who don't live in New York, Canal Street is where all of the uh, counterfeit goods are sold. Watches, bags, purses, um, all kinds of counterfeit stuff. So... I wanted to buy a counterfeit wallet because I love the prestige but can't afford the real thing. Neither one of us actually knew how to do this. So right, the like, plan the think the plan was we'll just walk along Canal Street and look for the most like available Chinese women. Right, but the problem with this is that I was just staring down every Chinese woman. Eventually we entered uh, at this intersection where there was tons of things abuzz. We saw this like kind of short, petite Chinese woman, and she kind of motioned us and asked if we, sh- if we wanted some watches. Yeah, yeah. She was like, she was like, imagine like the grandmother from Mulan. Freaky Friday. Okay, Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the one who gives Lindsay Lohan the fortune cookie. That grandmother. So she looked like sweet, but I knew that she'd had like a rough life. Yeah, she hasn't kicked her. Yeah, she so had some pep in her step. She really wanted us to get the watches, but we we wanted the uh, the wallet. So Tree and I gingerly walked over to this lady. Um, you know, like, it met her eye, and I think because Tree was with me, it added an air of, like, Asian legitimacy, so she didn't try and swindle me. That's true. Like, she didn't even look at Ali. Yeah. People just, like, t- confer to me, like, I'm a, as if Ali's just, like, my liaison. Right, like, I think they thought I was, like, the bodyguard, and Tree was there making the purchase. So she pulls out of her pocket this, like, laminated list of items with photos, which must be, like, a difficult clerical task because what if like the items change and you have to like reprint and relaminate like ali told me he whispered to me right before he got the wallet like if it's not good quality i'm not taking it yeah i mean i negotiated but it's really funny because ali negotiated down to 50 saying i only have 50 but then he gave him a 60 (laughs) (laughs) which like made no sense to me because the guy was like you fucking liar like you obviously gave me three 20 bills you could have paid 60 dollars for it yeah and then i was worried that when i gave him the 60 that he wasn't gonna give me back i know 10 it was nerve-wracking but he did it was harrowing but we survived like i was like in my head the wheels are hurting i was like wait you just withdraw you just withdrew all these 20 bills how can you like how can you break a 50 dollars and, like, when the guy went to fetch the wallet, the the Chinese old lady was just standing by us like a hawk. Yeah. She didn't want to lose us to, like, one of the black, like, kind of, like, competitors. Because mm-hmm. he came by. She's like, do you want, like, watches? And she's like, no, stay Chinese, she said. Yeah, a Nigerian man came by, and he was like, oh, like, come on, we have better stuff. And she was like, no, 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 don't go with him. Stick Chinese. Stay Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. There's a race war. Yeah. That's why you have me around, your Asian sidekick. Yeah, that's why I needed an Asian person with me to pick up on all these dynamics. If you want to have a prestige item but don't want to pay full price, check out Canal Street. It was Canal and Center. Canal and Center. Yeah. So there's a little lady there. She's a little shrunken. She was wearing uh, an olive green overcoat. I would seek her out and tell her that Ali and Tree sent you. Let's not throw our names <laughs> in the mix. I feel like we, like, we're law-abiding citizens, listeners. For the most part. We're gonna get, like, fucking 
locked in prison because of this. <laughs> well, speaking of locked in prison, that's a really good transition to our next talking point this week. The next stop on the Hot Mess Express is Making a Murderer. So for those of you who haven't heard of Making a Murderer, it is a uh, Netflix documentary series consisting of 10 episodes that swept the nation. People are kind of obsessed with it. And I think really it serves as more of a commentary on our criminal justice system and police malfeasance than it is focused on the murder itself. Let's play shag, marry, and push off a cliff. Who would you shag, who would you marry, and who would you push off a cliff from the Making a Murderer cast? Okay, young Stephen Avery was a little bit like the the modern lumbersexual, though. Um, he had like this, like the scruff... The kind of, like, he, he wore, like, a flannel shirt. They lost me with, when they revealed that he doesn't wear underwear. I, w- I was more on board. <laughs> I was, like, when he said, like, I wasn't wearing underwear, like, gotcha, joke's on you. Not like he wasn't wearing underwear, but he doesn't own underwear. Not a single one. That's, like, really hot, though. Like a junkyard hottie, no undies. Anyway, okay, so shag, marry, push off a clip. So Definitely you sh- shag, shag him. Henry. Yeah, but who would I marry? Dean Strike. Uh, like, okay, he's a little, like, pent up for me. Like, maybe... I wouldn't kill him, for sure. So, obviously, the person I would kill would be, like, the, the DA. Right. So, uh, listeners, for those who haven't watched the series, uh, Dean Strang is one of the defense attorneys featured, and he's become something of an internet celebrity because, I guess, he stands out as a very reputable, you know, symbol of the legal community. Like, he stands by his client and just tries to do good. So, as a result, he's known as something of a meme hottie in the internet world. Yeah. I don't know that, he's that... a little, he's a little, like, bookish, a little mousy... Uh, Not 12 hours ago, we were at a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen, and you said you like the bookish type. I do like the bookish type, but he's, like, a little, like, too bookish. There was also, like, news reports. There was a hottie. That That's my shag. My shag from Making a Murderer is yes. the hottie reporter. Salt and Pepper. The Silver Fox. Um, but he was, like, 22. Why he was th- not 22. It was, like, before it was cool to have, like, silver hair, and he had full-blown gray hair. It was like an Anderson Cooper No, but he was pastiche. Like, yeah. He just... It feels like he was... He just graduated... He just graduated from, like, University of Wisconsin-Madison with a degree in, like, e-journalism. I'm all about it. Um, so he's my shag. My Mary would be Dean Strang because even though he's bookish, he just seems sweet. And he had a BMW. So clearly he travels in style, which I like. And uh, my push off a cliff would, of course, be the DA. What's his name? Ken Kratz? Actually, the person I would want to push off the cliff is, like, any one of the siblings that threw, like, their other, like, respective family members under the bus. Oh, yeah. You know who I'd push off the cliff? In the last episode, there's a cousin that makes an appearance. It's her only time in the series. Her name is Kayla. She's fucking, the fucking worst. Fucking Kayla. Yeah. She's just like, I just, like, what did she say? I just wanted to have, like, fun or some bullshit like she that. She lied. She's she's lied several times. So, But Kayla is really the linchpin around this entire conspiracy, if you ask me. Okay, I don't think she's the linchpin. I think she was just a bored teenage girl that had nothing to do. I don't know. I think Kayla is the criminal mastermind. You know what? I would like to change my, like, I think Jody would be a great lay. She's sassy. She knows she's what crazy. she wants. She knows what she wants. Yeah. She came out in the press this week. Um, I think she gave an interview to the New York Times. Oh, no, it was, sorry, it was to Nancy Grace, which, I mean, how reputable is Nancy Grace? But she gave an interview to Nancy Grace where she basically said that Stephen abused her throughout the years they were together and that he, she's certain that he did it. Not because she has any direct evidence proving as such, but she thinks it's in line with his character and she believes that he did do it. I think he did it, but there, there had to have been some, like, police touch involved. I think he 100% did it and there was police malfeasance all throughout the case to secure a conviction. Um, The other thing that has really sprung into prominence over the past few weeks is the discussion of the Oscar nominations. Hashtag Oscar so white. I don't think the Oscars are that white. (laughs) So 
regardless of what you think, this is the widest year for the Academy Awards since 1998, with the least diversity represented. I mean, diversity comes in many different ways. Right, but we're minorities. Well, I think the problem is that minorities aren't being represented in Hollywood, period. This is why I'm a big supporter of the ABC hit show Quantico, starring Priyanka Chopra. Um, as one of the, we're fun- not getting any product <laughs> revenue from them at all. <laughs> yeah, by the way. we're not sponsored by Quantico. I'm just a big fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's true that if if we as minorities want to offer patronage to other minorities, it's up to us to really make them successful, right? As consumers. So with that in mind, I'm going to recommend a movie to you guys. It's called Tangerine. It stars. Okay, two- but that's not even nominated for the Oscars. Right. <laughs> Right, that's the problem. I'm offering it as an alternative suggestion of a movie that should be Oscar-nominated this year, but isn't. It's available on demand on Amazon, and I think they ju- it's on Netflix now, too. Um, it's the story of two trans sex workers in Los Angeles, women of color, um, and sort of the hijinks they get up to on the, the upon the release of one of them from prison. It's heartwarming. It's a tale of true friendship. Um, I think it sort of harkens back to Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, Thelma and Louise. It's really like that type of story about friendship and sisterhood. Okay, so let's go back to the Oscars for a second. Best Picture. You're a big fan of Spotlight. I thought Spotlight was one of the best movies I've seen in the 2010s. I mean, I think it probably is the best one. It was stunning. What was so impressive about Spotlight? Because, like, it was a compelling story, sure, but, like visually, even the acting, it was not remarkable to me. So, for for our listeners who haven't seen it, Spotlight is a film starring Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, and Rachel McAdams. It chronicles the Boston Globe's uh, Pulitzer Prize winning investigation into the Catholic Church's uh, child abuse scandal. Um, I thought it was one of the first movies I've seen in a really long time. I'm talking like in a decade, where there were moments that just left me breathless. It was so honest so gripping. Um, there were so many raw emotional moments that were very understatedly portrayed by the, the actors. I thought it was just fantastic work all around. I didn't find it boring, but Tree is a bigger fan of the showboat. That's his style. I'm a big fan of visually scintillating movies. Right, and so I'm more of a fan of the plot and the acting. Yeah. So Tree's a big fan of Brooklyn. That's your vote for Best Picture, right? Revenant should win. The Revenant is the the most boring, dull-ass movie released all year. Have you seen it, Ali? Yes. You sure haven't. I haven't. <laughs> um, but I've seen the previews, and I've read several reputable reviews. It's gotten a lot of traction in the last couple weeks. Like, most... If you would have asked the most kind of, like, people that were interested in film and, like, award the award circuit, hands down, Spotlight was the frontrunner throughout the year. But, like, the last couple weeks, things are things have gotten, like, a little bit more dicier. Um, and the other Oscar nomination that I'm super excited about is Rachel McAdams from Spotlight. I think she came into this award season as kind of an underdog. Probably her career best performance in Spotlight. So understated. She's sort of the emotional heart of the film, playing Sasha Pfeiffer. Uh, the sole female representative on this this journalism team. And yet it somehow still passed the Bechdel test. It passed the Bechdel test. Did it? Did it? Right, because she has a conversation with Nana, her grandmother, about religion. Her Nana is a named character, and the conversation does not revolve around a man. Unless God is a man. But, I mean, that's really getting into a weird area. Rachel Adams is okay in the movie. No, not, not great. She won't win, clearly. She won't win because the Oscars tend to give those performances to... Big showboat accent, ugly prosthetic nose type of performances. Hers was very understated, but I thought it was it really held the movie together for me. So who was going to win supporting actress? 
Kate Winslet? I think it's down to Alicia Vikander for the Danish girl, where, by the way, she is not supporting. This is, like, category fraud. Like, she is a lead in that movie, and I think she's actually probably... If you look at it scene for scene, she's probably featured more in the movie than Eddie Redmayne is. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just like the Rudy Mara uh, nomination. She was, like, scene for scene, more predominantly shown in Carol than Kate Blanchett. And so I don't even know how these people are categorizing them as supporting. It's just like how the studios want to just promote. Like, maybe they thought that she would stand a better shot at winning supporting actress than actress. So I think Alicia Vikander, who, I mean, who's done some pretty incredible work lately. She was in Ex Machina, which was really good. Um, she's going to be in The Girl on the Train, I believe. So she, I mean, she has good stuff coming up, but I think she's going to win. Uh, do you think Leo's going to win his first Oscar? Nope. Sure don't. <laughs> I just think, like, this is not the movie to give Leo the award for. That being said, I know that Martin Scorsese won his first Oscar, I believe, for The Departed. And there was many people who who were like, of all the films for Martin Scorsese to win on... I love The Departed. It was so good. I thought it was okay, too. But it wasn't, like, the tour de force that Martin Scorsese should have... Won his Oscar. Departed, in a lot of ways, is very similar to Spotlight. It kind of moves glacially, but then, like, hits you in the gut. That's a great way of describing Spotlight. It hits you in the gut. Like, I left feeling just wrenched. Like, I I couldn't even process it. I mean, I, I remember I, that was a film that stayed with me for weeks. I mean, it hit me in the gut because I was like, fuck, why did I spend $17 on this? You didn't spend $17. Tree gets discount movie tickets from his work, so we see every movie for $8. Which, actually, in New York, is really cheap. Yeah. No, oh. Leo, Leo's gonna win. He fought a fucking bear. He was, like, he rested inside the, the underbelly of a horse. Right, but is that acting? I mean, he should have won for other roles. But, like, this is kind of, like, a retributive, like, award. So, with that in mind, what film should Leonardo DiCaprio have actually won his Oscar for? I liked The Aviator. I thought that was a really, like, also, like, a What's Eating Gilbert Great when he was, like, 13. Both of those were good. I really liked him in Catch Me If You Can. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, I, th- I know the Academy hates comedies, but as a lighter film, he did a terrific job. Like the Golden Globes, The Martian as the comedy winner. Right. Even though The Martian is not a comedy. You still haven't seen The Martian. I haven't seen The Martian, but I don't think it's a comedy. Okay, so the next stop on the Hot Mess Express that we want to bring you guys to is visual-based dating apps. So in New York City, visual-based dating apps have sort of taken over as the new way to meet people. So, I don't know where all of you guys live and sort of how you meet people to go on dates with, but in New York, there's really no interacting with humans anymore in real life. It's all about the app. It's all about the optics. Actually, last week, Ali and I were at this Mexican restaurant, and I was, like, confessing to Ali. I was like, you know, my dating life isn't, go hot, isn't so hot right now. I think the problem is I need new pictures. And there was a couple next to us who heard Tree say that and then heard me respond saying, the pictures are not the problem, uh, and they burst out laughing. Should it be a photo that makes you look, like, cool? Should it be a photo that makes you look sexy? Should it be a photo that makes you look interesting, funny? Like, what is the trait you're trying to illustrate through your photo? I think it depends on your target audience. Like, I think women tend to like mysterious men. Like, on OkCupid, they do these, like, trends all the time where, like, the best photos of men are, like, men looking away. Like, looking in the distance. Looking at the horizon. Like... But More for, enigmatic, like the James right. Dean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But for men, men t- like like their women to be smiling, making eye contact. Contrary to popular belief, like men actually do not like the whole like standard 
MySpace photo where, like, you know, you get, like, this per- perspective downwards towards the breast and, like, doing coy duck faces. So my go-to dating app photo, not to say that this has been working great, um, but my go-to photo is me, like, laughing because I think what I want to convey about myself is that, like, I have a lot of fun, I'm energetic, I'm, like, a good time, and I think, like, a photo of me looking off-camera laughing sort of conveys all those elements of my personality. I don't know how I'd feel about having, like, a serious photo. So, in this laughing photo, are you with other friends? Like, to show, like, oh, I'm social, I'm a social creature, I'm always out with friends, I have lots of friends, I'm, you know, extroverted. So, typically, I'm not a fan of featuring other friends in the photo, just because then it becomes confusing on who I yeah, am. it's like a Where's Waldo. Right. But, uh, it is, they usually are cropped at places where, obviously, I'm with other people. So, like, I had one on a boat. It's like, I clearly was out of that boat alone. I mean, you could be. Yeah. But who goes on a boat alone? Let me ask you, Ali, in terms of, like... When you're swiping through Tinder, for example, like, do you want a, like, I I hate, personally, I don't know about you, but I hate it when guys have professional headshots. I think it's so, it's like, it's like airbrushed, everything looks flawless, there's like, you know, a clean background, it just doesn't look authentic. Don't you have a professional headshot? Yeah, I mean, it was so good. Okay, so... I, for me, it's not about the the aesthetic quality of the photo, whether it's professional or amateur. For me, what really turns me off is when people have photos that are too serious. So either like a duck face or not smiling because it's like, what are you trying to convey? Like, are you trying to convey that you're a model? Like, what what is the, like, what is, what are you trying to evoke through this photo? You're not give, telling me anything about yourself. I think from a gay man's perspective, like not smiling conveys like masculinity. And that, that might be like something that you find attractive. Like serious looks to camera are the ones that I can't deal with unless it's combined with another activity. So it's like maybe serious look to camera in front of the Taj Mahal. I hate those travel photos. I hate it. Why? I hate, like, like, you know, there's always that photo of, like, your back, like, just the backside of a person, and they're, like, on a cliff. I was like, how often are you hiking? Like, once every, like, blue moon? Oh, see, I like those. It conveys something interesting about the person. That you can take a generic hiking photo that everyone has. The worst to me are selfies that were taken either in a bed or in the car. I, I have, like, really, like, my love life is it's a pure disaster at the moment, but I'd say okay, Cupid is really good. For the people that are, like, a little bit, like, the slow dancers. The people that like to, like, kind of, like, mull it over, talk a lot. So have more conversation online before meeting. Yeah, text-driven, like, letter, like, you write, like, a thoughtful message to someone, they write back. But it's, it's like, one of those things where you have to, like, marinate for a couple of days. It's not, like, a quick, immediate meetup. Okay. There's not an instant gratification, like a grinder, for example. Um, so I think another app that I really like is Hinge. And the... The thing about Hinge is that it matches you up with people that are either first or second connections with your friends on Facebook. So you have to link in your Facebook and they match. So generally, like the great thing about Hinge is that you end up with people that are in the same sort of like stratas of like either like type of job or industry or like have the same sort of educational background. So, I mean, already you come with like a set of like shared experiences, which I think is really cool. And what about the third and final dating app that you're going to offer our listeners? I like, I mean, there's something to be said about Tinder. I think Tinder has, like, the 
the easiest like volume. There's like so many people, and it's really easy to strike up a casual conversation. I agree. I think the what I like Tinder is because you're served up the matches. What makes an app like a great based app like Grinder so difficult to navigate is that you it's up to you to kind of go through and like pick out the needle in a haystack. With Tinder, it's so ambient. All you have to do is swipe left, swipe right, and the people come to you. Yeah. And when you run out, it refills. Yeah, and the one the great thing about Tinder is that when you get a match, you know for sure that there's already mutual interest. Uh, like, right. You don't waste your time. Like, let's say you're on Grinder or like I don't know another app where you, you, you're basically like sending shots in the dark, hoping that maybe someone would bite. Or if you receive messages, like who's to say that they're like they would even respond back to you? They might have just like it might have just been like this transient like moment where they're like, oh, I want to talk to this person, but then they just never respond to you. Okay. So in a nutshell, for our listeners. Uh, which type of photo should they choose if they're a straight woman? I think if you're a straight woman, it's best to have like an eye level photo of you smiling and making direct eye contact. I agree. I think if you can swing it, um, an outdoor environment tends to be the best for straight women. I've heard from like male friends of mine. I mean, I'm male too, but straight male friends of mine. Right. (laughs) And if you're um, if you're a gay man, I think that the best. I mean, it depends on what you want. Like, you can either go for the more brooding, intellectual kind of kind of more opaque look, or the smiling, kind of laughing look that you presented, Ollie. Yeah, I think if you if you're a gay man, it becomes a little bit more complicated in terms of what you're trying to attract. Um, I think you can never go wrong with sort of just like a casual smile. I don't have like a good smile, so maybe that's my issue. The other thing that has really occupied my mind share lately is trying to look good in New York City during winter. So I don't know where all of you are based, listeners, but in New York City, it has been between 20 to 40 degrees. It's hard. It's hard to look good. Okay. I mean, you have to balance two separate sort of ideals. Functional, staying warm, and two, visual. You want to look good when you go out. Right. And I think, you know, I've been so influenced by like, but you know when you watch a music video, it's usually like for like a slower song and they're walking through the snow and they're wearing like just a coat. It's like that's not warm enough for a New York City winter. But it's like I also don't want to bundle myself like in a fucking burka just to stay warm. So it's like Tree said, it's all about finding that priority. Um, he can say burka because he's Middle Eastern. Right. I am, I'm, I'm of the ethnicity that is allowed to say burka. Um, the other issue that consistently presents itself, particularly in cities like New York... Um, I remember DC was like this as well when I lived there, is the establishments crank up the heat. So you're constantly going from being really cold outside to being really hot indoors. So there have been times when I've been wearing an overcoat, a sweater, you know, a blazer and a jacket over it, and I've been cold outside, but then when I get indoors, even when I strip down to just the sweater underneath, I'm hot. And there's really no reconciling that issue. So would you recommend like wearing lots of different things, like a scarf gloves, a hat, or just wearing one really like sturdy, durable coat? So I would recommend thinking of your destination and where you're going and dressing in an outfit that's flattering and comfortable for that destination, and then just getting a really warm coat and having only two things. Yeah. Because we all have that one friend who just brings too much with her everywhere she goes. Yeah. We have a friend named Olga, uh, and she brings... Just throwing her under the bus. <laughs> She's not listening. Um, so she carries everything in her life with her. Her bags are, she has these huge bags filled with everything. It's like that episode of Friends where Phoebe, like, asks 
Ross to hold her bag and she pulls out like a goldfish. I'm always expecting Olga to pull out a goldfish out of her bag. But with that in mind, she never has like the things you would need. Yeah. So she's always hungry. It's like, if you're that hungry, put a fucking power bar in that huge bag of yours. She has like a lot, like lots of things. I mean, a lot of, what do you call it? Accoutrements. Yeah. Her accoutrements. She's, she brings, like, she has like so much. She bundles up. Yeah. Um, and then even like her style is, is very over okay. the top. So she always has like a bag that has bows and like hearts on it as well. So it's just extra, extra, extra. Yeah. I'm sure she has a bedazzler. Yeah, she definitely has a Benazar. She's from Jersey, if that helps you guys. Totally ran her over the bus. <laughs> R.I.P. Olga. <laughs> so, the thing with Olga is that she has this huge bag, and during winter, I just imagine it must be a nightmare to carry around. It's a nightmare. Because that bag weighs a solid 25 pounds. Okay, so recently, I've been thinking about getting a Canada Goose. So, the thing about the Canada Goose is that it's like a, almost like a status brand. Like, it's, like, a luxury brand that everyone knows, but it costs $900. And it's ugly. I don't think it looks... It, there are uglier coats out there. I mean, I guess there are uglier coats, but as coats go, it's, it's definitely ugly. It's definitely not worth $900. But the thing is, like, on top of it being, like, a, like a status symbol, it's also... It keeps you very warm. Like, it's functionally, like, one of the warmest coats you can have. So, to me, if I was spending that much on a coat, I would buy, like, a Burberry trench. Yeah, but trenches you can't walk in the snow with. I know, but you look more glam. Okay, that said it all. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly so clearly, we know where Ali stands in this debate. He's all about aesthetics, glam, and I'm more about function and status. What, what are the best tips you have to stay wa- hot and warm during a New York City winter? I would say um, definitely make sure that you have tissues with you all the time. Because sometimes your nose is just straight up running and you don't even know. I would rather... Feel more cold and look better sometimes if it's like you're going on a date. So like, for example, if you know you're going to go to like a cozy wine bar, just suffer the outside and just like wear like form-fitting. So for our our listeners who drive cars, would you recommend bundling up at all? Because really you're just hopping from parking spot to destination. Yeah, there's no point in like dressing warm if you're just going from like car door to like Chili's. I said it. I said it. <laughs> Ostracizing our, our listeners. Fuck it. I mean, where else would they be eating? Applebee's. Is that classier than Chili's? I don't know. I think Applebee's. It has. Oh, like Cheesecake Factory. That's like the, that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Schlon shit. Or Olive Garden. Sasha We're not Lobster. above it. We tried to get. We tried to go to like the Olive Garden recently, and it, we failed. We failed. It was an hour wait. We yeah. couldn't do it. We should go to the Olive Garden now. That is Olga esque. <laughs> Poor Olga. With uh, with. The beginning of the year upon us, um, and the whole motive of wanting to look hot in New York. People are all about their New York New Year's resolutions. People are all about their New Year's resolutions, their diets, kicking bad habits, trying to acquire good new ones. Uh, but where do people fall with these? And how do people keep up with them? And how quickly do they ditch them? Next time on Hot Mess Express. Hot Mess Express is a co-production of Ali Fazal and Tree Chem, all rights reserved. You can catch all episodes of Hot Mess Express on iTunes and SoundCloud. To get the links or to learn more about our podcast or to send us ideas, topics, or donations, please visit us at hotmessexpress.tumblr.com. Tweet us or Instagram us at Hot Mess Express Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Coming up on Hot Mess Express.
Did you suck him off? Ali! I, mean, I, thought, I mean... Don't suck anyone off. That's, that's not true. But like, if like the dick looks good, like you don't have to like look up. True romance right there. Oh my god. Okay. This is a disaster.